the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, a new live local show on K-Praise designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Hey, 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 hey there. You know, it's hard to be more... Sorry, friends. It's hard to be more excited than I am right now. Welcome to today's. You know, today has a what well, we, we're calling it a two-hour strategy session, and uh, it's also known as Come Together San Diego. In case you were wondering, you know, one of the difficult parts about you know presenting spiritual truths is really the ability to uh, make them practical for today. You know, and that's the problem. Sometimes you know we can. Uh, uh, about things and big preachy words and things like that. And people go, oh, that's awe-inspiring. But uh, how do I do that? Well, we're going to get past that today, and we're going to go straight to the how-to. And there's a lot of how-to that needs to happen today in the midst of all this challenge that's going on in our face. You know, look at TV, and uh, you will see uh, uh, turbulence, and you will see people uh, attempting to take away our Judeo-Christian values and using things that are not constitutional, and you will have people that have ulterior motives, uh, and our Judeo-Christian values and the Constitution uh, remains in the balance. So I thought I would stir things up on this show and invite uh, one of my longtime friends, and uh, he's a guy who has is a no-nonsense guy. You like those, don't you? His name is Bill Neesmith. He's the uh, administrator of the Oak Initiative. You know, they have a, they're on the East Coast, but they are national, beyond national, international, and their purpose is to help people understand uh, how to use biblical principles to actually unite, to, uh, you know, mobilize, to equip, and to be activated as, as Christians. Sometimes that's one of the things we lack. We understand we get the sermons and things like that, and we're all jazzed, and we go, oh, yes, 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 but the how-to, we need to be able to do the how-to. So, without further ado, I want to introduce to you, ooh, that rhymes, we could make a jam out of that one. Without further ado, I want to invite for you uh, to hear and listen to Bill Neesmith and the Oak Initiative. Hey, Bill Neesmith, how are you doing? Hey, Kaz, how are you? It's good to talk to you again. It's good to talk with you again. It's always great. And so uh, I know you're loaded loaded up, uh, and you've uh, been studying these topics about uh, dealing with uh, governments and politics and things like that uh, from a, a biblical standpoint. And boy, oh boy, do we need to hear what you have to say. <laughs> so uh, before, after you give just a very brief overview of who in the world Bill Neesmith is, and what the Oak Initiative is, I'm going to have you just jump on in. Would you be so kind? Sure, yeah. Uh, who I am isn't as important as what we're going to talk about tonight, but uh, my name is Bill Neesmith. I'm a Christian, a pastor, father of a few, and grandfather of a bunch more. Uh, came to an understanding that if anything is going to be done about our country, it's got to be to get engaged and to understand what the Bible says about uh, 
I'll say it, politics, but we're going to learn a whole lot of different things about what politics really means. Um, anyway, I'm, I, I run uh, the day-to-day operation of the Oak, administra- Oak Initiative as the administrator. The Oak Initiative, you can find them at uh, www.theoakinitiative.org, was founded by Rick Joyner and a number of ministers, about 200 ministers, that got together back in December of 2008, and they launched the organization in 2009 in August. Uh, I've been there from the beginning, and our main goal came out of Isaiah 61, verse 3. It says, and then they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I can't say that we've done everything right. We surely haven't done a lot wrong. Uh, We're human, but we're growing. When we started, it wasn't normal for Christian organizations to be knee-deep in politics. And at that point, (laughs) we started out as a as a culturally transformative organization. We've we've learned as we ran, and we've had a really good time. We've got great, super great leaders, great board members. Oh, I've seen your list of board members. Indeed, they are. My listening friend, when you go to their website, kind of stroll through some of the board members, you will be impressed. You will know many of them, because uh, Rick Joyner has many relationships, and uh, I'm honored that you are among them, Bill Neesmith. Uh, And continue. Well, uh, if you've all seen the show MASH, uh, I'm Radar O'Reilly. You know, I'm the guy that at least knows where stuff's at and can get things done, but these guys are the brain trust. Uh, trust me, they're an incredible group of men to work with. And ladies, Cindy Jacobs, you know, great. And uh, Janet Porter, yes, great group of people to work with. Didn't I see Lance Walnow's name in there somewhere as well? Lance Walnow's there, General uh, retired General uh, Jerry Boykin, mm. uh, Bob Weiner, uh, 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 Nicholas Nicolau, and there's Larry, Larry Bishop. There's a lot of different ones, really good leaders. Very good. Well, let's let's kind of start out uh, on why are you so inclined to uh, deal? I, I've known you for some time, and you aren't taking any. Uh, you're not a, a passive uh, person when it comes to dealing in the w- world of politics. And you're a rare, at least in the past, your type has been a rare find in the church environment, but less so these days because more people are rising to that calling. And so. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about uh, the the problems we see, and then we're going to spend the bulk of the show telling people how to solve those challenges. Go ahead. Well, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I tell people, it's like, you know, I'm really not into politics. I'm an American. I'm a citizen. I have concerns about my country. I had to try to figure out what could I do about it. And then the how I did it, what I did about it, and how I did it really had to line up with the Bible since I'm a Christian. Sure. So I've had to marry that public civil expression to how God would have me do it. And, and God is full, the Bible is full of what we're going to talk about tonight about politics. And I promise you, if you give me the time tonight, at least the first 15 or 20 minutes, 30 minutes maybe, I will transform the way you think about politics. Yes. If you listen to this title, if you're thinking it's another political talking head, blah, blah, (laughs) I promise you, I will change your mind. Yes, that is not who Bill Neesmith is, my friends. And also, some of it's a battle of words, is it not? I mean, a lot of people define things one way and other people define it another, but the actual definition of politics from a biblical standpoint might uh, make people very interested. How, How would you define politics from a biblical standpoint, Bill Neesmith? Uh, politics from a biblical perspective is engaging with culture and society for the furtherance of, and benefit of all involved. My. Yes, yes. Well, you know, we've got a couple minutes left in this segment, so whet our appetite for the remainder of the show. We're on until uh, 7 uh, p.m. Um, on the West Coast, and however that translates to you, my listening friend, on other coastlines or even other uh, 
states, even other uh, nations as well, because we go internationally by via of what we call the Internet. I mean, that's a strange word, isn't it, Bill? <laughs> it is. So jump um, on in. Yeah, we've got a couple of minutes, well, so set the stage for the rest of the show. Well, you know, the one thing is, is again, politics is not just about what's happening in D.C., what's happening in your state government. There's formal politics. Yes, that's government. That's the halls of Congress, the state house, that kind of thing. There's semi-formal, which is your HOA, your school board members, how governments, or I'm sorry, how corporations operate. And then there's a informal politics, which is the interaction like between Cain and Abel when, uh, or when uh, Ab- uh, Abraham and Lot decided to work together to divide the land. You go one way, you go the other way. If you pick that way, I'll go this way. The, the art and nature of politics. I'm going to give you a quote in the next segment. Calvin Coolidge said it best that politics was nothing more than a simple act of service to others. He said a lot more, and I'll cover that on the next segment. But politics is not what we've been told to believe. We're pastors and leaders anywhere will tell Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. Well, you cannot disengage from politics any more than you can disengage from human interaction in a world that God has set with you to have a divine moment, a transformative opportunity, and a purpose for change. Yes, yes, yes. Now, I'm going to take 60 seconds right now as we get ready to go into the break, and, and I'm going to ask you to agree with me in prayer, Bill, because we, mm-hmm. I, I think my audience, I, we've been priming them for uh, the entire week about you coming on, and now I'm going to ask the Lord to intervene in the midst of this thing and give people uh, ears to hear and also uh, a willingness yes. to activate their own calling. Lord Jesus, right now, uh, Bill Neesmith of the Oak Initiative and I and the entire listening base and the prayer base of Come Together San Diego, we we come together right now and we say, Lord, intervene. We have the desire to learn your directives from Scripture and the power of your Holy Spirit. We're desirous of this. In, in, invest in us right now. Endue us with this power and the ability to go beyond just listening and activating our will to do yours. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And so Bill Neesmith and I are going to, now that we've set the stage and entrusted the Lord to intervene in these things, after the commercial break, we'll be right back and we're uh, locked and loaded and ready to go. Isn't that right, Bill Neesmith? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Then we'll be right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. And indeed, I am back with co-host Bill Neesmith of the Oak Initiative. We're talking about godly ways to survive and even thrive in the midst of this turmoil. Can anybody say dirty politics and other things that are threatening our Judeo-Christian values? And before I hand it over to uh, uh, Bill, and I'm going to do that, and I'm just going to be a little meek mouse in the corner asking questions periodically. Uh, (laughs) But let me tell you a story that you will be able to relate to, especially in this anxious time. When I was a young man, uh, my family went to a place called Salton Sea. Salton Sea is a place where in the desert here of California, it is steamy, steamy hot. We were going actually during the uh, spring summertime, and we got a motel room, and there was a large group of us, maybe seven or six or seven people or, or so, and we had two motel rooms, and it was in a motel where the sun was beating down on the little sidewalk area between the two rooms that we got, and my little five or six-year-old 
sister wanted to make the trek between one uh, motel room to another, and so she starts walking across this steaming pavement, and she got halfway, and she realized she couldn't make it back, and she couldn't make it forward, so she actually stood there and cried. And sometimes I feel like that myself when I'm trying to get from one place to another. It's too hot going back, and it's too hot going forward, so I stand there and cry, and God always intervenes. So if you can identify with that, we're going to have this daddy figure called Bill Neesmith run by, scoop you up, and take you into the cool of the room (laughs) and tell you not to worry and give you solutions for those challenges. So with that, I'm going to hand the baton over to Bill Neesmith of the Oak Initiative and continue your discussions, and I will just be kind of in the background uh, tossing little comments or questions here and there. There. So, Bill Neesmith, the stage is yours. Well, I appreciate that, Cass. Hey, I wanted to say that if anybody wants to connect with me in any way, you can find me on Facebook. You can search, You can do a search on Facebook for my Neesmith. I'd be looking forward to any kind of question or comment. If I can clarify anything that come out this evening, that'd be great. The um, Thank you, Cass. The, uh, the thing that the topic is about politics, but you know, one thing we need to understand is that politics without morality leads to anarchy, aristocracy, oligarchy, democracy, uh, according to Aristotle. And you notice I threw democracy in there. We think that you know morality would lead to, or lack of morality would lead to anarchy or aristocracy, meaning the rich rule the poor, or oligarchy, meaning a, a core central group of wannabe leaders kind of rule the world, rule the country. But it even says that democracy can be led because of a lack of morality. Um, in Plato's Republic, he said that politics, he believed that was a um, that. Um, uh, was a branch of ethics. Politics was a branch of ethics. He said you could not separate politics from ethics. Aristotle said that politics is the master science and the aim to be the highest good and happiness of all mankind. Um, politics in its truest form is the service of all. If you look at the definition of politics according to Merriam-Webster, it's the total complex of relationships between people living in society. Collins Dictionary says that politics are the actions or the activities concerning with achieving the using of power in a country or society. I mentioned earlier that I was going to give you a quote of President Calvin Coolidge and what he said. It was, it's pivotal. It'll change the way you think. He said that politics is not an end. Now, let me back up. Calvin Coolidge came to power after his predecessor lost his presidency due to due to corruption. So here Calvin Coolidge is now the president, and he says, politics is not an end but a means. It is not a product but a process. It is the art of government. Like other values, it has its counterfeits. So much emphasis has been placed upon the false that the significance of the truth has been obscured, and politics has come to convey the meaning of crafty and cunning selfishness instead of a candid and sincere service. You see, politics is not what we've been told to believe or told and come to believe. Politics is not subject to those politicians. Politics is not subject to those who are hired government employees that hang around for a lifetime mm-hmm. and transcend administrations. Um, Genesis a- AKA, AKA deep state, I guess. Exactly. Deep state. I worked on Capitol Hill for 12 years. I worked uh, seven uh, seven years for the United States Senate and five years for the House of Representatives before I uh, went into full-time ministry. 
the uh, it is a different place. I've interceded on Capitol Hill. I've I've seen some pretty incredible things. I've, I was uh, uh, mocked by a, a, a satanic group because I was leading a Bible study on Capitol Hill. I was sent the article from their newspaper. They were mocking my Bible study, and one of the House members sent me a copy of it and said, "Hey, I just wanted just figured you might want to know and see how you're being vilified by people that don't understand what you're doing." Yes. Um, but you know what? Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 gave us our original mandate. Now, I'm going to paint the whole picture through the course of the evening, but the main thing to understand is that God said, I, let, us cre- let us, in cooperation and unity, let us create man in our image and let them have dominion. That command to have dominion was to dig out a place for yourself and to establish your place and subdue the world to your liking. Now, that doesn't mean that we're rulers or, I mean, meanies or we're bullies or any of that. It means take my principles and my guidelines and establish your foothold on this planet. Many people will have heard and many people will teach that we are not of this world. Be separate and come out from among them. But Jesus never once, he then said, the Great Commission was, all authority, now that I've come off the cross, I've died, I've been buried, I come back. All authority has been given back to me. I'm going to explain that a little later on, too, when we cover the next segment in Two Kingdoms. He said, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. There are other scriptures that talk about casting out devils and confronting the the, uh, kingdom of darkness. We need to understand that being engaged in society is the primary element of a Christian's life, whether it's working within your neighbor, uh, interceding for the street that you live in, working with the town. Every person that's listening to me, you have a footprint in your city, in your town, on your street. You own that area because God has you there. You may not be ready for national politics or national leadership, let's say it that way. You may not be the one that has a, a voice like Billy Graham that can speak to presidents. Billy Graham was not a politician. He was not into politics, but he transformed kingdoms and nations through his life. Oh, my. You know, let, let, may, I, may I give an observation here and then set you free again? Absolutely. But, but one, one of the things that I see is these are all remarkable words, and the challenge is taking them from the word level into the uh, activation level. And I'm thrilled that you are here with us to do that. One of the things that you talked about here that was a key word to me, and that is our directive was to subdue the world and interject godly uh, precepts and principles within it. And sometimes we get so complacent in our pew uh, that we don't know how to go outside that area. And now, if there ever was a time, now is a time to do that. So we're thrilled to have you along to help us identify not only what the problem is, which we're doing in the first few segments, but then dive in to the solutions for that problem. Handing the baton back to you, Bill. I think I might have lost Solutions you. and not details. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I lost you for a moment there. Go ahead. Well, my my goal tonight is to not give. Uh, my goal is to give solutions and not just precepts or or mandates. Um, part of politics, again, is just evangelism. It's about being engaged. It's about like the definition originally was said was politics in its simplest form. The real meaning of the act of politics is for the engagement in society for the benefit of all involved. That could be, again, that could be on a school board. That could be your next-door neighbor. Politics was engaged when Cain and Abel 
were trying to fight. Now, one died in that, but it was a negotiation. It was an attempt to cooperate. It was an intent to work together. It led to failure because they couldn't do that. Politics is not perfect, but it's the pure process of engaging for the negotiation of a great benefit for everybody. You look at Cain and or, uh, Abraham and Lot. Abraham did not go into it and say, I want mine. You can go the other way. He back, he walked in the, in the relationship and the mindset of God and said, you pick the one you want and I'll take the other. If you go right, I'll go left. If you go left, I'll go right. I'm good. Everything we need to do and we're going to find it. And when we talk about David and Daniel and Joseph and Ezra and Rahab and some others later tonight, you're going to find out that it's, it's that transformative power because you know what? Politics without cooperation will lead to tyranny and despotism. But, but cooperation without politics is short-lived, unprincipled, and, and unstable on shift to ground. It will not last. You've got to have both cooperation and the engagement for everybody's concern. Yes. If you, uh, you know, we talk about um, Joseph, we talk about formal, semi-formal, and informal. You know, politics is nothing more. I'm going to use the word politics just because that's what we hear. But I may start flipping it to saying a Christian's engagement in society at whatever level they can get for the purpose of transforming their culture, their street, their nation, their world. That is the purest definition of what we call in today's society the workings of politics. So when you think about you may be involved in an HOA, do it in a godly fashion. Yes. You may have to work out the boundary line of where I can cut my tree or plant my, put my fence or plant my tree between you and your neighbor. Do it in a Christ-like fashion. We'll look at later on, or even now, we'll just step into it. Yeah, we've got uh, about 30 seconds left in this segment, so uh, set the stage for us, if you would, Bill. Well, politics is is nothing more than the engagement. Now, the next segment, we're going to talk about how those two kingdoms, how the two kingdoms came about. It really does come down to engaging in a manner that reflects the kingdom of light when opposed by a kingdom of darkness. Ooh, I like that. Bill Neesmith is going to be with me for the entire two-hour broadcast of Come Together San Diego with an engaging topic. It is not only how to be aware of the things that are coming against coming against us and our Judeo-Christian values here in the United States and elsewhere as well, but also not only to be aware of it, but how to be armed and defend against it. And in the next segment, uh, Bill is going to deal with a topic he calls The Tale of Two Kingdoms, which reminds me of a book by Charles uh, Dickens called The Tale of Two Cities Instead of Kingdoms. And that one begins, it was the best of times and the worst of times. That, in very many ways, is what America has been in the last uh, four months or so. We were getting into some really good economic times and very good um, times in America, and it seemed like it was the best of times, but also, within the blink of an eye, it looks like we're in the middle of the worst of times, but there's a... Uh, uh, nuances here that are dealing with the kingdom and God's kingdom strategy that's going to take us out of the uh, the abstract and into the how-tos. So Bill Neesmith, I'm thrilled to have you with me for the all these two hours. And my listening friend, do not go away because Bill Neesmith of the Oak Initiative and I will be right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. 
This is Pastor Jim Heidrich from Firewheel Church, and I declare over San Diego that the goodness of God is going to crash in on you with the weight of his glory because he's moving with compassion. Yes, you believe in Jesus, but Jesus believes in you. And I just affirm you in your call to greatness in Christ Jesus. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. And I am back with my producer, Neil Fraser, sitting here with me, encouraging me along the way. And uh, across the nation, I have Bill Neesmith of the Oak Initiative. And he's plying us not only with information, but, you know, before you can actually fight against the enemy, you have to identify who that enemy is. So he's spending some time right now helping us identify who that enemy is, and he's identifying the two different kingdoms that are opposed or juxtaposed to each other. He's talking about the kingdom of light or brightness and the kingdom of darkness, and uh, God wants us to know the difference between the two so we can know how to fight against the bad guy, and uh, in favor of God's good. So, Bill Neesmith, the Oak Initiative, handing it over to you. Give it to us, man. Thank you, Kaz. Thank you, Kaz. I appreciate that. I'm going to lay a kind of foundation here when you talk about uh, this two-kingdom thing. If you, For those that have read the Bible, if you don't know it yet, go back and read Genesis 1 through 3. There's an act of cooperation we serve a triune God, and and if you look at it this way, that God thought of it, He then spoke it, and when the word, the breath came across the words, they formed action. Mm. That is, God the Father of thought, Jesus the Word of God, and the breath of God, the Holy Spirit. There is a cooperation that you can have a thought, but until you speak it with the air that comes across mm. your organs, your vocal cords. There's a cooperation. You cannot speak the Word of God unless you have breath, and you cannot work and communicate something you did not give thought to. In the beginning, God was. He said that I had created all things. He, it, the Bible says that he took out of a world of chaos, and the Holy Spirit, the wind, the breath of God hovered over the chaos, and God's, God thought. Everything that you see today was in the mind of God in the beginning. You were in the mind of God in the beginning. Everything that we see, know, and do is the result of a thought that God had spoken through word, breathed to life into an action. My, yes, yes, in Bible, yes. In, in Genesis 1 through 3, it says that God created everything. And then he said, let us, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, or this triune God, think of a glass of water. It's naturally passive liquid. It can turn to steam, and it can also turn to ice. It's the same water, but it manifests itself in three different ways. Same kind of a concept. You need to think about this triune God. How they do it, I'm not here to explain it. I can't, (laughs) but they do. Yes. But they determined before the foundation of the world that Jesus would come here and, and take back what had not even been stolen yet. But during this thing, creation happens and God creates. He says, let us make man in our image. And out of that man, he created a woman and said, have dominion over this planet. Carve out for yourself while you walk with me in the cool of the day. Let's have a relationship. Let's communicate together. Let my thoughts become your thoughts and my word become your word. And I will breathe on you the breath of life. And I will sustain you through this supernatural life. 
The Bible then says that in a, in a particular moment, it says that while they, God said, of everything on this planet, in this garden, you can have, but don't touch that one tree. Yes. Just that one. You got everything, dude, man. You got everything. <laughs> Just don't do that. That one thing. And because God knew it, he said, without, without the choice to be obedient, you have no real freedom. So God said, I'll give you every bit of freedom, but I'll give you the right to choice. And unless you truly obey me, you do not really love me. It says to love me, follow my commands. So they, we know the story, the great fall. They took the, the, the fruit, whatever it was. Sin came along, but during that whole story, it says that a serpent manifested itself or came slithering, and 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 who knows? We could have elephants talking back then, for all we know. Mm-hmm. But this serpent talked to them and communicated in a way, and it beguiled them. Says, "Well, you know what? If you have that, you'll be like God." And that was a pull on our pride, a pull on our lack of humility, a pull on our quest for power. Everything is a quest for power as a point of rebellion. My. The scripture, the story tells us that they fell and another kingdom came. I want you to see it this way. God established everything. He delegated to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve bowed their knee to somebody else and said, we will not follow the one who created us, our dad, our father. We will listen to you. You have beguiled us and we believe you are the answer. So they bowed their knee. Oh, my another authority. Can I I interject here? My listening friend, one of the things, if you're watching or listening to the news, you realize what's happening in America. People are being asked to bow their knee to a different authority. It's not a godly authority. It is a a precept that uh, if you dig deeply enough, you will find maybe there are some influences of people that are looking to subjugate our rights, our freedom, our Judeo-Christian values, and we're in the thick of things right now. We have to know how to deal with this. And Bill, you're really nailing it right there. Let me just say, my friend, I was walking out the door to come to the radio show, and I ran across a pretty large, about maybe five and a half feet or so large snake, a, a, a copperhead or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, a diamondback, I think they are here in uh in in San Diego and I said this is this is a message so I had to take that guy and chop his head and I and before I came to the station I'm going <laughs> is there a message here and here you are talking about that serpent we've got uh, just a, uh, maybe 3 or 4 minutes here in this segment uh I'm going to give it back to you because you're you know my listening friend if you've been paying close attention to the first few segments of the show uh, Bill Neesmith of the Oak Initiative has been setting things up, and once he sets things up, it's basically called understanding the the power of the enemy. The Bible says not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices, so he's introducing these things to us right now, and he's going to go about giving us instruction from a biblical standpoint on how to not just be a passive pew-sitter, but to be a progressive saint of the Lord Jesus Christ. A couple minutes here left in this segment to set things up for the next bill. Uh, back at you. Here you go. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, the, um, the thing that we all must understand is God is a just God. God gave, if you picture in your mind, God gave Adam keys and said, I'm going to give these to you. I will not unjustly take them back. You do with them what you wish to do. I have given you dominion on this planet. Adam then now has full authority, just as Jesus tells us, all authority has been given to me. Now you go. Adam, or Adam had full. Yes. 
Adam, Adam, in essence, gave the keys to the kingdom, the keys to his domain, to Satan. Mm. You see, people yes. will say, well, why doesn't God just take them back? Why, why, why doesn't he just do it? Because he gave it to Adam with the full right and permission and authority to give it to whoever he wished. God would be unjust if he said, well, that really wasn't part of my plan. Give them back. He would be usurping the authority that he gave to Adam. He would be then an unjust God. People then use that same question. Well, if God is so good and God is so just, why do we have people like Hitler? Why do we have Mussolini? Why do we have ISIS? Why do we have all this other garbage? The reason exists is because when Adam bowed, he set place of authority for Satan to rule in another kingdom the kingdom of darkness, which is a usurping of God's authority. And now we have parallel kingdoms on this planet. When Jesus Christ came to earth, he came as an innocent child, obeyed the Father to the nth degree, even to the point of death. He was born into a fallen world, but without sin. And when he did, Scripture calls him the second Adam. When he did what Adam could not do, He then made a way for the destruction of the kingdom of darkness, and he created a bridge back to the kingdom of light. Where Adam dropped it, Christ rebuilt it. And now there are two parallel kingdoms here. We're going to get into another segment later on where Romans chapter 13 talks about the higher power. We're going to talk about that, how you can confront a a leader within godly principles, even when they rule in the kingdom of darkness. Wow, wow, wow. And as I'm looking at my notes, I I see in our next segment, we are going to talk about that, the rationale for engagement. Sometimes, you know, if you go out and just uh, hodgepodge and you just go flailing your arms and saying, get away, enemy, get away, uh, then all you are is a target. <laughs> yeah. So God wants to give us strategies in uh overcoming the power of the enemy, and he's given us his word. But beyond that, he's given us the one-two punch, not only the one punch of his word, but the two-punch of the Holy Spirit. And when you put those together, it's insurmountable from the enemy's perspective, and they they have to go on down. So we're going to talk more about that and uh, basically the rationale for engagement. We spent this time basically outlining the problem and the enemy, and we're going to begin getting into the how-to's when Bill Neesmith of the Oak Initiative and I come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. And I'm back with Bill Neesmith, the administrator of the Oak Initiative, He's on the East Coast. We're on the West Coast because of the miracle of broadcast and telecommunications and the Internet. We can talk uh, as though we're right beside one another. And, uh, Bill, thank you for setting the stage for this. And I was engaged when you uh, sent me a little outline of things you wanted to discuss. You wanted to discuss what you called uh, our rationale for engagement and pardon me if I pontificate just a moment, because I, 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 when I heard that word, those words, I said, you know, I'm, I'm really into what words mean. And, of course, you know, I look for the double entendre every time I can so I can maybe use that as a 
one-liner or a joke or something. That's just who I am. Mm-hmm. But I was thinking about the word engagement and our rationale for engagement, and that brought to mind two different references to engagement. Obviously, as Christians, we are engaged, if you will, to the bridegroom, the Lord himself. So there's one aspect of engagement, but then the other act activity of engagement that you are bringing up here is the engagement against the enemy. And I said, that's interesting. And the Lord told me, he whispered to me, he says, it's the same thing. And I said, what? He says, yes, my bride needs to be engaged not only to me, but engaged in the battles that I am engaged with. And they get to be my bride. <laughs> shall I say, tip of the spear in these things. So when we talk about engagement, uh, it's a kind of a twofold phrase. And if we want to be a worthwhile uh, uh, bride to the bridegroom, we have to have a mantle of a, a warrior. The Bible talks about uh, the bride is as terrible as an army with banners. I mean, please, that's from the Song of Solomon. I'm handing it over to you to uh, kind of make sense of my little uh, diatribe here and jump into <laughs> the rationale behind engagement. Sorry, I set the stage and I stir it up a little bit and I go, oh, Bill Neesmith, fix this. So, Bill, fix yeah. this. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. The uh, A lot of what you're hearing tonight come out of my doctoral dissertation, which was entitled Christians in Politics, a Biblical Perspective, or I'm sorry, a Biblical Response with a subfoot title of the, the the bridegroom is coming. Get engaged. <laughs> um, I mean, the the last segment I ended with. God created. Now you you really got to wrap your head around that God has done everything from the foundation of the world, even to the saving of the guy tomorrow. Everything was decided before it was ever started. That's that's hard for us to understand, but God has everything in mind. He knew everything would happen. He interjects. Even Satan does not have authority to do anything. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I mean, there are so many promises that we have that even the pseudo-authority given from Adam to Lucifer does not have any weight against the child of God unless God sees it to our benefit. You got to wrap your head around that. But say it again, the, because uh, that is that, that is a real key. I mean, we, here we are in a- anxiety and things like that, but we realize that actually these are opportunities. Uh, they're not reasons to go hide. They're opportunities to uh, hit the front lines. Say that again, would well, you, Bill? I'll, yeah. Um, no, no authority has been given to Satan that God does not use for your benefit. <laughs> if there was no benefit, it would not be happening. Wow. Um, my, my example of that, look at Joseph's life. Jo- Joseph was a young man who had a dream and a vision and a, and a promise. He had a vision for what his life was meant to be. He was thrown into a ditch, sold off by his brothers, taken to Egypt, put in a Potiphar's house. It became a place. And he, in all of that, he still remained a person. He ended up being character-driven, motivated by the voice that he heard inside of him. He maintained his inner core value system, even when living in a dark and fallen nation. Mm. He was accused of wrongdoing, thrown into a jail. The baker and the butcher had an issue with trying to remember his name. He ended up being there for two more years after they got free when they shared their dream to him and they got free. He ended up being remembered 
when one of them said, oh, my, I, I made a mistake. I was supposed to get that guy out. <laughs> so they ended up calling him out because Pharaoh had a dream. Joseph interpreted the dream, saved the nation, saved his people, saved his family, saved the world. Come on. And the Bible even says in the beginning of Exodus, in the beginning of Exodus to chapter 1, it said, and then a new Pharaoh came to power who did, did not, not know, know yes. Joseph. You see, in being involved in politics or being involved in human interaction to the point of engaging in your culture for the benefit of everyone concerned is the process of simply being known. Now, I'm not talking about marketing known or social media known. I'm talking about action-driven known, core value-driven known, character-driven known. You see, years and years and years, decades went by before they finally forgot. In, In America today, Right now, literally on the news today, they're destroying our history, and we are. And facts are no longer being known. They're pulling down Robert E. Lee statues who went against the Confederate Army and and stopped them from in, in enslaving people continually. They pull his statue down because they do not know their history. If we mm. lose our history, we lose the power of knowing and being known. If you look at, I ended up the last segment where I talked to you about a the kingdom of God and how he has everything in place. Authority was given to Adam. Adam wrongfully gave it to Satan. God's a just God. He honors Satan, but he puts constraints on Satan because even an old dog can teach somebody how to stay out of a yard. He uses <laughs> Satan for our benefit and teaches us how he, he teaches us things. He uses, uses everything to teach us to make us stronger. He uses, you know, without, without hard times, you'd never know what a blessing felt like. Mm. Without being poor, you'd never knew what a windfall was. Without being sick, now I'm not saying God gave them, and I'm not saying he's this perverted sense of some deity that says, I'm going to make them sick so they're happy no, when no, I make no. them well. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but when we live in a fallen world and God takes us through and says, I'm going to take you out of that fire. I'm going to take you out of that storm. I'm going to take you out of that trouble. And when you ask me for prayer, in prayer, ask me for help. When I answer, you'll know I did. Oh, my, my. And that scripture that comes to mind, Bill, is all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. That is so true. And sometimes we go, why is this happening to me? Instead of, how is God going to orchestrate this for my good? It changes the rules, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. Politics is nothing more than human action engagement. It's nothing more than being heard and known. You see, when we when we come into this whole process of engagement, the rationale for engagement, one of them is that we are all we have all mankind has an equal invitation, but we're unique in activity. There is no one in the world that has not been given the same invitation because of that love driven, open ended, open armed invitation. We can no longer not be motivated to engage. And every one of us has been unique in their activity. You don't have to be. We we must quit looking. Teachers need to quit looking at the prophets, say, and say, well, you're not enough word. Prophets need to quit looking at the the evangelists and say, people got to get saved. I mean, people are evil and this world's falling apart. We need to quit looking at the knights versus the nobles, the people that are doing something I'm not doing. We need to be okay with who we are and not stepping into that accuser of the brethren mindset and accepting people the way they are. The other thing we need to be sure of is that, um, let me see here just a second. Well, this is inspiring. Equal invitation, equal in authority and position. Every one of us has the same authority in the same position. 
when you see that yourself is high and lifted up, Christ, Scripture says that I see the Lord, he, His train fills, fills the temple, the temple. He is high and lifted up. And then Scripture tells us that because of what Christ did, He seats us with Him in heavenly places. There is not one Christian, I don't care if they've been saved today or saved for 50 years, we all have access to the same authority. Yes. doesn't mean we're ready to yield it. It means that we all have same access. If you look at some of the promises, it says that God is over man and man is over government. When you look at how we are, we're not man is uh, man does not subjugate itself to government. Man rules government. Man defines government. Man orchestrates rulership and has dominion. Because God said to have dominion. My, my, my. Bill, we've, we're running out of time in this segment, but I, I think that's a good setting the stage for our next segment and segments thereafter. We are not, government is not to be over us. We are supposed to be over government. And sometimes, especially in situations right now where there's a, a, a pandemic and also the threat of bodily harm in people making, you know, going out and breaking into things and things like that we kind of think uh, the other way around but actually we need government needs to depend on us to give them direction and if they don't obey our direction as basically the ones who installed them then they're going awry and so we're going to talk a little bit more about that and other things in the remainder of this two-hour broadcast and you you talked about uh, dealing with the rationale behind engagement in the next segment we're going to talk about (laughs) what i love the rules of engagement are you sensing my friend how bill has uh, wisely set the stage uh and identified definitions and terms so that we can uh, go with great wisdom in pursuit of hearing god and obeying and he's got us as his uh, bride is engaged beloved that need to be not only engaged to him but engaged in this world we're going to discover what that looks like sounds like and is like when bill neesmith and i come right back this is come together san diego the new live local show on fm 106.1 and am 1210 k praise more come together san diego it's just moments away KPRZ, San Marcos, Poway, and K29CR, Encinitas, FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego, K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. Come together, San Diego, with Cash Taylor on FM 106.1 and AM 1210, K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. And welcome back, my friends, to the Come Together San Diego broadcast dealing with the challenges that we're facing on a day-to-day basis, just look at the news, and our Judeo-Christian values are really threatened, and what to do about that. And uh, I have with me co-host Bill Neesmith. He's on the East Coast. I'm on the West Coast. And Bill is with the Oak Initiative as the administrator therein. And Bill, I realize that we need to really communicate a little bit more about that website. Would Before we jump on in, would you give the website so people can find out more about the Oak Initiative, Bill? Yes. Yeah, thank you, Cass. Uh, the Oak Initiative can be seen at www.theoakinitiative.org. Yes, theoakinitiative.org. Mm-hmm. 
Very good. You know, my, my listening friends, what we've been talking about is how to become equipped as God's soldiers, his uh, army, if you will. And the scripture is, is, has many, many representations of this throughout the Old Testament and the New in the New Testament. Like, for example, in Second Timothy, Paul is telling us to be willing to suffer hardships as a good, good soldier uh, because we need to be uh, occupied, not occupied by, by the enemy, but occupied by the Holy Spirit because he's going to give us directions. But I got to thinking about this, Bill, during the break, and that is there are some people who go, I'm not built for the front lines. And that's fine. Some people are not built for the front lines. Those of us God has put in media and things like that, we're in the front lines. But there are those who are the support team. For example, on Come Together San Diego, we've got prayer warriors who are doing the spiritual battle in the heavenlies while I'm doing the uh, literal uh, you know, battles over the air. And my uh, uh, producers, including Neil Fraser, he's here right at my side doing that as well. So not everybody is on the front of the front lines. Everybody has a role to play in order to embrace these rules of engagement. So I'm going to hand the baton over to you to talk more about the rules of engagement because, my friend, we've spent the first portion of this show equipping you to know the enemy with whom you are dealing, and now we're going to get into the ways to solve those challenges. Bill Neesmith. Yeah, thank you, Kaz. Um, You know, earlier in the broadcast, I made a mention that that politics without morality leads to basically a false form of government, whether it was anarchy, aristocracy, oligarchy, and even democracy. Our founding fathers realized the wisdom of being a republic, which gave voice to the popular vote, but then had the Electoral College yes, yes. establish the power of each individual state in this union. We are not one massive country like Russia. We are a collection of united states. And the wisdom goes is that a democracy is ruled by the power of the majority uh, the part of the Electoral College present, prevents uh, a candidate from going to the five major regional areas yes. and propagating their ideas and forgetting Iowa and Idaho. Exactly, and Montana and, and things like that. smaller countries. And, and if you look around, states. my listening friend, here that is where the emphasis is going right now, whether you realize it or not. The Electoral College, which is a, a brilliant uh, idea, uh, is being threatened by people that want to just leave it in the big populated areas of America, which are liberal, uh, to say the least, and uh, uh, adverse in many, many ways against the Judeo-Christian values. So uh, handing it back to you, Bill. Well, the reason I brought that up, Kaz, is because the same section I, in the last segment, I said that we are in the kingdom of God. We are equal in authority. In, in our republic, every single vote matters with every single office from the dog catcher all the way up to your representative in college. Yes. I'm sorry, in Congress. The president, the single most, the singular position is defined by the Electoral College. You have your voice across every single office in this land except one, and that one represents the union of all the states. So we have a place of position. So the reason I say that is when you say, well, what do I do? 
I can't run for office, but you have a right to vote at the election. And that vote needs to be your vote. That voice, that voice that you have there needs to be your voice. If you do nothing else between now and November, understand the candidates, understand the people who are being given either by your choice or by your inactivity, given a place of authority in this country. Have your voice be heard. Even if you're not yet known, you have a voice. It's important that you understand that. As far as engagement, uh, as far as rules of engagement, um, think about if you had two people trying to negotiate the sale of a car, if you had people in a city council trying to determine whether to put streets in, every single human interaction known to man is the purpose and function of engagement. We call it politics at the higher level in government. But politics is every single aspect of human decision-making at any level of our human interaction. So when you say, I don't know what to do, I'll guarantee you, if you look down your street, if you engage in your city council, your school board, anything, in your public school, in, in your, your, your child's classroom, in a PTA meeting, in a HOA meeting, somewhere, you're going to have a situation where you don't like the way it's happening. Your choice at that point, will I do it godly? Or will I do it worldly? And that's the decision that you're going to have to make. You're going to have to decide whether you're going to reflect the kingdom of heaven. You know, you can read your scripture eight hours a day, and you'll have a lot of knowledge. But if it doesn't transform you, mm. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Be ye therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is... Yes, just lost you, Bill. <laughs> Just lost you lost for a connection? moment. I, I lost, yeah, I lost the connection. We're back now, but uh, requote that verse, would you? Yeah, Romans twelve one and two says, "Be ye therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove or express or reveal what is the good and the perfect and acceptable will of God." Is when you're in a conflicting situation, even if you read your Bible to the point where you really don't remember where it's at, but when it's the right time, the Holy Spirit will remind you of how so-and-so in the Bible responded, and that will come quickening to you. The Bible says that when they bring you before the magistrates, when they bring you before the courts, do not give thought as to how and what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will pull the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Ooh. If you put it in, He will pull it out in the right time. You, at that moment, that's how you will reflect the kingdom of heaven. It also says that you need to understand and position yourself in the kingdom of heaven, that you must know and see that you are positioned in Christ. It doesn't mean you're awesome. It doesn't mean you're great. It means you are anointed. It means that you are chosen by the Father who loves you, and He has chosen you out of darkness and seated you in the kingdom of His dear Son. You must understand that that God is all-powerful, He's all-knowing, and He's always present with you. You need to, here's the fun part, and it comes back to that first part. When you fill your, you can fill your mind with all kinds of teachy devotionals, but if you're not reading the Bible yourself, you're getting somebody else's interpretation. Oh my. I'm not saying those things are not good. I'm not saying that them sharing with you what God shared with them cannot be useful to you. But isn't it better to take the meal from the master chef Mm. and the leftovers provided to you by someone else? Oh my. It's about building that devotion that when you're reading and he's talking to you, not through somebody else to you, but when he's communicating to you, that relationship, that walk in the garden is developing. Oh, my. And that's where you can start flowing 
in the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's above academic. It's above just knowing. It's about being. It's about understanding that it's God's counsel working in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Yes. It's My also mind. important that you understand the difference between passion and zeal. We know about the zealots. Judas Iscariot was a zealot. He was mindless of the kingdoms of God, but he had the passion that was unruly. God will fill you with a passion. Christ was filled with a passion for his father's house, but he did not lose his spirit about it. He understood that he had a passion for the things of God. He had a passion for the kingdom of God, but he didn't move out of proper thinking and thought life. He was governed by the full counsel of God. I like that. And we've got uh, to come up against a break here and uh, deal with that. But you're setting the stage wonderfully for the last few segments, actually, to the top of the hour uh, on the actual how-tos. And that's remarkable. And a couple of the comments you made that we're going to use as springboards into the next uh, segments is you talked about uh, it's your choice, uh, but it's also your inactivity. It's your choice whether you're going to be activated or inactive, and it really is your choice. And it's not necessarily what a minister has told you. It is how you have uh, taken the words of God that are within what he has told you and how you have embraced God's word, not necessarily the word of somebody who translated it for you, but God's word within that. It's your obligation. We're accountable for our own activities. It's not, well, Kaz or Bill Neesmith told me this, Lord, so that's what I'm standing on. No, no, no. Well, our job is to turn you, point you into the direction of God and God's Word and His Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to give those to you. And Bill, one of the remarkable scriptures, I, I don't remember the address on this, but you talked about it, the right time, God will take what He's given you, and in that appointed hour, don't take concern what you have and what you don't have. You've got it, and He will launch it out from you at the proper proper time. That's really good to know mm-hmm. for many of us who have embedded our the word into our hearts and we go, how do we activate that? You take the step and he'll do the activation. My listening friend, Absolutely. we are into the thick of things right now, so I know you're you're weighing uh, heavily the words from Bill Neesmith of the Oak Initiative, and rightly so, for you to pray and then hear the Lord and obey. We'll talk more about these things when Bill Neesmith and I come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Cass Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Well, my listening friend, we are back. And we are facing some things that perhaps we haven't faced in our natural lives so far. We, in our church environments, we've, we've learned to be the good sheep under the good shepherd. There's no question about that. But the times are changing to a degree where we also not only have to embrace those understandings of sheep and shepherd, but we also have to understand the callings for us to be under the lion of the tribe of Judah, as the Bible talks about in Genesis 49, I think, is Judah is the lion's whelp. You know, we are whelps or little lion cubs, and it's our obligation to manifest or illustrate the character of the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is Jesus himself. And, you know, he, the, the Lord himself is the captain of the host. He's not only the shepherd of the sheep, he is the captain of the host. And how are we going to hear and obey the directives of the captain of the host? And that's what we're talking about today on this Come Together 
San Diego show with co-host Bill Neesmith of the Oak Initiative. And we've set the stage by talking about don't be ignorant of the devices of the enemy. Now we're going to strategize on how to not be uh, defensive, but on the offense as well. So, Bill, I'm going to hand it over to you, and I know you want to talk about this higher power. We don't go uh, equipped of our own strength. We're equipped of God and Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ as the captain of the host. Bill Neesmith. Excellent. Thank you, Kaz. I appreciate it. Um, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7, has been used uh, by a few, and as it's been misunderstood, to keep Christians from engaging to challenge leadership. And there are various reasons that people do that. Um, when you look at Romans chapter 13, 1 through 5, in, in, uh, Rick, made a, Rick Joyner made a comment. It says, I'll read, the, I'll read the 1 through 5. It says, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that are ordained of God. Whoso therefore resists to the power, resists the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation, for rulers are not terror to good works, but to evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou, wilt, thou shalt have praise of the same, that ruler, that leader. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do not do that which is evil, be afraid, for he that beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Therefore, or wherefore, ye must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. In that particular section, Rick Joyner writes, this is a difficult text for many to understand. Does this mean that Hitler and Stalin were appointed by God? He said, no. As we see in the book of Acts, when the apostles were told not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore, the very thing Jesus had commissioned them to do, they said that they must obey God rather than men. You see, when, when evil rises up and oppresses the righteousness of God, or and I'll call it the church of God, we, we are a holy nation, a royal priesthood called out from among men to establish and infuse to establish the kingdom of God on this earth under Christ's guidance and the Holy Spirit's leading and conviction into a world of darkness. You know, when Microsoft was a small company, they started out what's called the Microsoft Evangelist, and they were basically hyped-up, souped-up salesmen because Microsoft ended up, the leadership at a corporation called Microsoft, ended up knowing the principles of evangelism. It's salesmanship. It's transforming somebody's mind by convincing them of a truth that you know. You see, you can you have a vote, but every one of us has a living room couch and a coffee table and a pot of coffee or tea or ice water or something. But you can invite somebody over and say, hey, you do hear such and such about X, Y, and Z on the news today? Don't be afraid to engage your friends, but do it in a godly way that steers them into and uses biblical counsel. That's so good, Bill. You don't Bill. necessarily need to know book, chapter, and verse, but if you know the Bible and the precepts, you know there's a story about David, how he went against Saul, and he would not confront Saul. He was actually convicted when he cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He stood out and he said, Saul, I have sinned against you, and that brought a healing between Saul and David, because David carried himself even against a king that had lost the Spirit of God, but God had not removed you see, we need to be careful that we walk in humility, and to submit to higher power means to understand the highest of higher powers. God is the highest higher power. So when we have, and there's a section in that scripture I want to point out for all of you to read. 
it starts out and it says, if you look at it, it says, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Oh, my. There's your litmus test. If you have a ruler that is not a terror to evil, that is not a ruler set up in the kingdom of God operating in the principles of God. Oh, my. That boy, oh, boy, that, that causes us to really reflect on what's going on in our government, doesn't it? Wow. Well, yeah, look at them. It says, what's their, what's their nature? If they are not opposed to evil, they are not aligned with. I'm not saying they're evil. I'm not saying they're demonic. I'm saying they just don't know who Jesus is yet. Yes. So honor them all. Honor them all. Respect them all. Just like Joseph respect leaders, Nehemiah, Ezra, they were all held in bondage. Daniel thrown into a lion's den. His friends thrown into a fiery pit. But no matter what happened to them, they held true. And in the ultimate result was they were held in high esteem as they were known by their actions. Oh, my. Let, let me, let, let me just pull back. Bill, let me pull back just a moment here, because th- those are solid gold nuggets that you're sharing with our listening friend. And one of the phrases you use here that I think is something that we all need to carry in our armory, and that is a phrase that you said, it is better to obey God rather than man. And so when we are faced with all these different things that, you know, people are telling us, do this or don't do that because, oh, it's not right for you to go out and do these things or wear that mask at all times or stay socially distanced and all these things. Oh, what does God say? And what does God's word say? And even though we may get ourselves in temporal, temporary trouble by saying, ah, that's not scriptural, I'm not going there, I'm going to obey God rather than man, God will intervene when we're obeying his word. Isn't that right, Bill? Absolutely. If, you, if you're, now here's the key, Kaz, God cannot operate where there's pride. pride. It says, I will lift up the humble. I will set them in place. If we remain humble, it doesn't mean we're cowardly. It doesn't mean we allow ourselves to be kicked around. It means that we have bowed our knee to God, even when we stand before rulers. You see, you don't have to go in with a milk toast mindset, but you need to go in with a boldness of lions and the courage to stand, even when they tell you to do something that is unscriptural. All through uh, Corey Ten Boom. Got, slave, got the Jews out. All through history, the Underground Railroad, all through history, people have opposed evil and shown a light in the darkness and transformed their culture. You see, there's a section we all know, Jeremiah 29 now, and it says, I know I have a plan for you, a plan for future and a hope. There's another verse in that same chapter, Jeremiah 29, 7. It says, pray for the land, for the city where you are where you are living, because if good things happen to that city, then good things come to you. You see, we have such a, it says our weapons are not, they're they're not carnal, they're not worldly, they're not bombs, they're not Moab bombs, they're not physical. They are spiritual powers for the pulling down of strongholds. If you think you cannot do anything, I mean, after all, what am I? I'm I'm an older person and I really can't get around. I'm going to tell you what, you can do more on your couch or more on your knees than most people can do before the sun comes up if you're a Marine. (laughs) (laughs) My, my, my. And boy, oh boy, and, and that's a you know that's something that all of us have an opportunity. We have a, a, a circumference of friends. Some of them are in our Christian mode, and they're speaking the same language as us. But also, we have other neighbors and other people affiliations and work or wherever that don't know the Lord, and we have 
uh, the couch or an environment we can go at the at the lunch table or wherever it is, and a word fitly spoken is are as apples of gold and pitchers of silver. So you're not. It's not uh, on you to to change that person's life uh, from beginning to end. Yours is just simply to input God's uh, heart cry there, and as a, a you know, kind of an uh, undercover warrior for the Lord, all you're doing is being obedient, and it's His obligation through the Holy Spirit to convict and direct. So you, this is remarkable, Bill. Remarkable. Continue. Right. Well, you know, you know, the church is in danger of sacrificing and compromising evangelism for activism. Oh my! We cannot, we cannot choose activism if we're no longer operating in evangelism. Oh my! Can we, can we lose the world? Can we use that as a springboard into the next sections? Uh, you know, uh, it has to be uh, our actions has to be of God rather than of our own doing, and humility plays a big right. role. Can we continue that theme as we continue the show, Bill? Nisabeth, right. Nisabeth? Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. my listening friend. I guess you know where we're going to go in the next segments. We've got uh, about half an hour left in this broadcast, and Bill is uh, wielding the godly sword. We're going to find out about that and how it carries two wonderful edges, and we'll talk more about that when Bill Neesmith and Kaz come right back. You're listening to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it at 866-577-2473. You're just moments away from more Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. This is Judy Ross, co-pastor of Cloud9 Worship Center. San Diego, I am declaring over you, you are the southwest gate of this nation. And through you will pour abundance and greatness and the glory of God. That's what you were created for. Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Hello, my friends. You know, the Bible talks about us not wrestling against uh, flesh and blood, but powers and evil spirits in high places. Well, you know, this 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 battle plan that God gives us requires a different technique than the world has in fighting battles. And the technique that God has given us is a level of humility, a level of humility, because it is at that juncture that we show humility that God can intervene in our actions. And I'd rather have God doing the victory in us coming along in that wake uh, and kind of picking up the spoils than actually going in, in face-to-face with uh, the evil sources. And uh, God wants us to, in all humility, uh, illustrate God and God's character. And in, in that humility, God can intervene. And uh, it's so thrilling to have Bill Neesmith of the Oak Initiative here with us to to plow through this and unwrap this for us, we're talking about God's higher power, and one of the key weapons of this warfare for us is God's humility through us so that can have God or allow God to intervene for us. Bill Neesmith, lay it on us. Thank you, Kaz. Yeah, humility is probably the greatest single quality that anyone can possess here on earth because it is the very breath and spirit of God. Um the other the other thing I want you to understand and get, try to figure out is is peace. Jesus said in John fourteen twenty seven says, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives you, do I give you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful." So the other thing I want to talk about is now here's Jesus there said, 
I'm going to give you some peace, but it's a peace that's not of this world. It's not something that you can get from being happy or being copacetic with everything around you. Marion Webster talks about peace, and the definition they have is freedom. Oh, I don't. Well, I lost it. Well, that's okay, because you know what the Scripture says, Bill, don't be concerned about having those things, because in the right hour, God will give it to you. So I'm interested <laughs> to see how God follows through on this with you. <laughs> yeah, well, well, he says, Webster says, peace from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions and a harmony of personal relations. The, the thing I want you to see from David, I'm going to talk to you about some of the wisdoms of David, the examples that came from him. Um, the... The examples about being engaged and how to do that, I want you to picture Samuel, the, the Spirit of God has left Saul, and Samuel is being commanded to go into and go anoint David. Now, Scripture tells us in the beginning of first of First um, Samuel 16, it says that Samuel went to God and said, Oh, no, God, uh, you know, if I go and anoint this guy king, then Saul's going to find out, and they're going to kill me. And people have preached that Saul was concerned for his safety and for his health. But if you read you, you don't the story, mean, you don't mean Saul, you mean Samuel, right? I'm sorry, Samuel. Yes. Yeah, Samuel, people will say that Samuel was concerned for his health. So he said, God, give me an idea because they're going to kill me. Well, God hears him and he says, now what you wanted to do is go over there and tell them that you're there to have a sacrifice. And during the sacrifice of, a, of an animal, I want you to then do your thing. Just tell Saul that you're going to go sacrifice in Bethlehem. So they say that Samuel was all concerned for his health. The reason I know that this is not true is because when, when Samuel came up to the city of Bethlehem, where David lived outside of it, it said the elders came running out and basically said, oh, my goodness, Samuel, are you here to mess with us or are you in a good mood? <laughs> it, was the, it was the elders of the city that came out fearful of Samuel Yes, when Samuel walks up. You see, when you're in the right attitude, whether somebody responds to you negatively or positively, you need to just have a peace inside of you that if God gives you the directive, you're going to do it. You're going to walk into place. Now, the thing that happens after that is he goes and he anoints Samuel, or he anoints David. And the thing that happens with David is David ends up learning because of Saul. I'm sorry, Samuel, too many S's in this story, (laughs) that we can fear no one but God. If you get to the place inside of you, you fear or you revere no one but God. You see, we're told to fear God, but that word says to revere God, a fearful reverence for God. We sometimes revere presidents. We somehow do this and that when it comes to leadership. <clears throat> Excuse me. When we are faced with, an honor, with the whole aspect of honoring your leaders, I want you to understand Romans 13 talks about being submitted to the authorities. You submit to the office of president. It does not mean you have to like the man or the person that sits in that chair. Say that it again, because people need to, to hear them. that. Say that again, Bill. Scripture tells us to submit to authority, which basically means to submit to the office that they hold. We're not to tear down the office of president or confront the office of governor or tear down because God has allowed America to be ruled in a certain way, a republic. You have a different country. You may have a different nation. You say, well, what if Christians over in Somalia and they're doing this? They need to submit to the the authority in place, even while they might be positionally opposing the person that holds it. 
Okay, well, obviously the question, you know, the question I ask is, okay, you know, in good conscience you do that, but at what point do you make God's stand? And, you know, one of the scriptures you talked about is saying we must obey God rather than man. So uh, would you uh, unravel this or unwrap that for us, Bill? Well, you know, the biggest biggest struggle that most people have is they don't know enough of the Bible to understand how they can position themselves. You see, we should if we should be able to check ourselves. Do I have pride? Am I mm. humble to God? Am I humble to the? Am I? Am, do I have a righteous passion, or am I acting out of zeal? Mm-hmm. Do I have a right heart for this? If I, I mean, think about what the stories were told. Joseph and how he submitted his life. David and how he submitted to the timings of God. Samuel, how he submitted to the word of God. Ezra, Daniel. Joseph, all of these people, even Rahab, she knew she submitted to God by recognizing the people of God when they came on her horizon. She understood there was a place of authority that she was no longer under. So you don't have to be ugly about it. The disciples that you mentioned, Kaz, they were not ugly. They said, you decide. Go ahead. You decide whether it's right for me to honor God, the God that you serve, or honor you. The choice is we honor God. So whether you beat us this day or whether whatever happens, we're going to honor God. Now, the reason you, people can't take a footing, because sometimes they just don't know what the mind of God is about. You've got to take the time to find out what God's telling you. You have to walk in wisdom and prayerful consideration. How will this be benefited? And you have to be willing to do what you have to do. Yes, yes, yes. And the, the 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 one thing that you said, and I think it's in the book of Acts, my producer was looking this up for me, Acts chapter 5, verse 29, Peter says it's, it's a, his obligation is really to obey, obey God rather than man. And so every time we're faced with these kind of things, if we carry that as our mantle, obeying God and humility rather than man, we'll make the right decision. And even, you know, the disciples went away rejoicing when they were reprimanded because they were worthy to suffer for Christ's sake. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to lose when you're obeying God. So we've got uh, another minute or so in this segment. I'm going to have you set the stage for the last summary segment or what we call the debriefing when uh, in, in a moment or two, but take a minute to uh, crystallize where we are and where we need to go, and then we'll spend the last segment to pay that off. Bill Neesmith well, of the, the one, Oak Initiative. The one thing is, without humility and peace, you try to get ahead of God. Psalms 27, 14 tells us and gives us great advice. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, the devil's going to try to get you to remove quick things. The devil's going to have you be impulsive. But if you say, I've got peace, I refuse to be hurried, I'll trust God to make a way, I'll not fear man, and I'll have the anointing that I'm seeking him, and I will maintain my humility before him, he will set me where I need to be. Wow. Always give God a chance to make a way. Always give God the chance to make a way. Thus are the wise words of Bill Neesmith, and we're going to continue those words as uh, Bill gives us a debriefing on the things that we've heard and how to actually apply them. When Bill Neesmith of the Oak Initiative and Kaz of Come Together San Diego, when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise. Now more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. 
Here's Cass Taylor. And I know that we have been giving you a lot of stuff, and I hope you've been taking copious notes because it's dealing with warfare, but not warfare of the world. It is warfare from God's perspective, and God must play the lead and active role in this warfare. He's the captain of the host, and we are members of the host. So I'm the host of Come Together San Diego, and I want to share my co-host with you, Bill Neesmith. We've plowed a lot of turf there, Bill, with the Oak Initiative, and I want you to do the role of a little bit of debriefing and summarization here. But it seems to me some of the key words are humility and activation and, you know, uh, Peacemakers, uh, those are part of our, our calling. So, Bill Neesmith, before, actually, before you jump into this summary uh, statement here, would you give a w- website and then jump on into kind of your summary statement? Bill Neesmith. Uh, the website for the Oak Initiative is theoakinitiative.org. Uh, feel free to check us out. Uh, Kaz, the, the summary of all I've been talking about, if I give anything to get taken away, that politics means engagement. Take away the word politics and what you've ever known as far as locking into the halls of Congress. Politics is nothing more than the engagement to the benefit of everyone involved. You getting involved, a light breaking the vessel and shining on the valley. You know, you can see that Ezra, Nehemiah, Joseph, Daniel, even Jesus, Paul, Peter, they could have all said, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a Jew, or I'm a Christian, or I'm a follower of Christ, or man, I'm Christ himself. They could have come here and just be and made no impact. They had to choose to make an impact, especially, you know, Hebrews eleven six says, but without faith is impossible to please him. Mm. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, that he's real, that he's tangible, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You know, you know, Kaz, if, if you, if you, if, to the listeners, if you have a what Bill Hybels called a holy discontent, what I call a Popeye moment, I've had all I can stand and I can't stand no more. <laughs> whether it's whether it's abortion or whether it's homosexuality or or the imposition, the overimposition of a liberal agenda, whatever it is, fine tune it down to a to a word. And then study that subject, study how it's good, study how it's bad, study how it's beneficial, study how it's harmful, become a a subject matter expert. Scripture says to study to show yourself approved. And when somebody says, you know what, you sound like you know what you're talking about, prepare and find that thing that you are passionate about, that you cannot let it go on. Uh, Yep. Sorry. Raymond Burr? No, that's Raymond Burr. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Yes. It is so important, whether whether it's engaging with your employees in a kind way and leading them in a relationship, whether it's becoming an asset or an ally to the principal of your kid's school, or just engaging with your teacher, being go to the same grocery store and find an employee there. And no matter how long their line is, you're going to go through their line every mm. single time. Right. And you're going to say, hey, how are you doing this week? And before long, you're praying for them. And before long, the next time you come in, hey, I got a prayer answered. Be be purposeful. Be mindful. Find the same teller. Find, even Go to the same gas station. Go to the same barber. 
just pinpoint somebody and not be happenstance. I've got to get through this line and get my groceries. I'm going to find that person and I'm going to find out oh their hours and I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to be purposeful and intentional in what I do. My. There's so many things that we can do. But one of the things that so strikes me, that we can do to, Bill, one of the things that strikes me is it's dangerous for you. One of the things that you said, and I don't want people to misconstrue that, and that says, know the subject. Know the subject. So sometimes what what I might do in a situation like that, if I'm not inclined to be activated, I'll go, okay, well, I'll go study the subject while the world goes by. No, it is pursue the subject, but not uh, deactivate from uh, your involvement. In fact, God will give you situations. He will lead you into it delicately and and then just entrust what God has given you. And you don't have to quote scripture and verse, just show lifestyle ministry to these people and the message will come through. So um, we've got to act actually about five minutes left in this in this uh, whole show so i'm going to hand it back to you and uh, do what you want to do not only to debrief but also to encourage bill neesmith well well yeah you know another hindrance to all of us is a lack of confidence Mm. you know if you have confidence that you've studied something that you feel good that you have it embraced you're going to feel great about telling somebody that you know how to do that if you've taken the time, most people will not do something because they really don't feel, in, feel equipped to do it. Mm-hmm. If you find something that you're good at, find something you're passionate about. Joseph, Joseph knew he had a dream. He lived that dream and he held that dream. Ezra and Nehemiah, Ezra, uh, I mean, think of a cupbearer. He could have said, dude, my job is to just bring the, bring the cup to the king. I'm the guy that gets poisoned instead of him. But what, he, what they did was, this is the cupbearer, he chose the moment that he would, because he was close to the king or close to the leader, I'm going to develop a trust and I'm going to develop a relationship with him that I can change his mind. Daniel. Daniel was a guy that said, he could have said, you know what? I'll do, I'm only doing what's necessary. I'm only doing what I got to do because I don't like being here. But instead he said, I'm going to seize the moment and I'm going to do the right thing. And I'm going to become an asset. Joseph was an asset. He didn't have to interpret people's dreams. He didn't have to serve the jailmaker, the jailmaster. He didn't have to serve Potiphar in a way that he did. But because he chose to take the high road of character and quality, he was shown to be approved. And when they needed a help, hey, we know a guy that knows how to interpret dreams. It might be, hey, I know a person that studied out some good textbooks for our classrooms. Hey, I know a lady that that helps out at the PTA, and she knows how to do whatever you want to do. Just become an asset and an ally. And then when you become friends with your child's teacher, who knows? You might just lead them to the Lord over time. You might just be able to say, hey, I'm sorry you're feeling bad. Do you mind if I pray with you? You will have more of an impact through those drops of water that cut through stone than anybody that does nothing. Oh, my, my. That, that is so remarkable. And one of the key words that you said here is in your summary statement here, Bill Neesmith of the Oak Initiative, and that is seize the moment. And uh, a phrase you use that I think is uh, quotable, and that is be willing to take the high road of character. But a lot of people, you know, if you live a lifestyle ministry and you minister through that lifestyle, people know who you are and they go, that person, you know, they've all always been consistent with me. They've been honest, they've been transparent. I will uh, I'll let down my guard and I will befriend them. At that juncture, they actually are craving to know uh, things that you know about your Lord and Savior. That's the open door, lay it on them. Bill, uh, we've got a, about two minutes before the end of the show. Is there any way that you want to end this or... 
praying, or let's let's do this. Speak just a moment, then I'm going to have you declare over our listeners, actually make a declaration of God's intervention so that they can leave this program empowered. So a quick summary word, and then I'm going to have you declare over our listening friends. Bill. Yeah, I, I just want to encourage everyone, don't get so bogged down into trying to reach a nation until you reach your street or your neighbor or your family. Because if faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. If you can handle running, you can handle running with horses. You cannot do it right off the bat. Take small beginnings, small steps, be faithful, be humble, and let God do what he wants you to do. Oh, my, my. Now, would you be so kind, because you're a, you're a minister, you're a pastor as well. I've, I've, I've observed you. You're a, a compassionate man, but you're also a guy who speaks the truth and, you know, you, you make your stands. So I appreciate that. But using the anointing that God has given through you, Bill Neesmith, uh, would you do a declaration over our listeners uh, that God intervenes where they are and empowers them and speaks to them and through them? And we've got about one minute for that declaration. Go, Bill. Heavenly Father, Paul said that that the eyes of their understanding would be opened. Elijah turned and said, Lord, open up my servant's eyes that he will see. And then it says that his eyes opened up and he saw a host of angels and horses around him. (laughs) I ask that in Jesus' name that everyone listening to the sound of my voice will realize that God is their front and rear guard. Mm. He has their left and their right. He has prepared a way for victory and promise. It's just up to them to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Now, that's a dangerous prayer, but it's a prayer filled with promise, and you will change your nation one step at a time. Wow, wow, wow. Bill Neesmith, thank you, my friend, for joining us with the Oak Initiative, the administrator therein. Uh, And once again, the, the website quickly. TheOakInitiative.org. Very good. Well, friends, we've had a great uh, and productive time in, I would call it, God's war room today. And thank you to the Oak Initiative's Bill Neesmith for uh, offering up some what I would call remarkable insights. You know, in the thick of all these challenges we face, God is right in the midst of it. And sometimes he'll put you right in the midst of it, too. But don't worry, because it is the God whom you serve that will be your... Mm foreguard and rearguard and surround you inside and out. So my friend, it's a joy being with you on Come Together San Diego. I want to officially thank uh, Bill Neesmith for joining me as well. Next week, we're going to do more stuff because we're really interested in what God wants to do in this nation and this city and this world. But we're also very interested in how he wants to use you in the midst of all that. So until next week, for Bill Neesmith and the entire Come Together San Diego crew, Kaz Taylor saying, God bless you and see you next time. God bless. Thanks for joining Kaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise.